Hey folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 12 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This episode's featured guest is Matt McGlynn, who is Vice President of Brand at RBC. I'm releasing this episode on one of my favorite days of the year, Master Sunday. I felt it appropriate given RBC's support of professional golf. RBC has a rich history in sponsorship marketing, ranging from the Olympics, where they are the longest-running national team sponsor, to golf, to music, youth, and cause. In his current role, Matt has oversight of RBC's sponsorship portfolio, among many other responsibilities. In this episode, Matt takes us along his career path and tells us how he has rocketed up the marketing ranks at one of Canada's most storied organizations. He shares insights into RBC's Olympic platform, shining a light on RBC's training ground program. And of course, we discuss RBC's support of golf. For those who know me, my favorite hobby is playing bad golf. And I've always been curious how RBC decides which golfers to endorse. So I asked Matt, and he gives us insights into the proprietary scorecard method they employ with support from their sponsorship agency, Wasserman. Matt takes us through the sponsorship evaluation process RBC uses to filter through the hundreds of proposals they receive each month. Really insightful stuff in there. He shares with us other sponsorship and marketing initiatives that have caught his eye, including a very cool idea from REI, which is the Mountain Equipment Co-op of the U.S. He shares the trends he is noticing, and he wraps with great professional and personal development advice. The themes of humility, hard work, and curiosity stood out to me. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, Visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. Okay, hey folks, uh, welcome to another installment of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is Gavin Roth, and the this is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing series, and absolutely delighted to be sitting today with Matt McGlynn, who is Vice President of Brand for RBC. Do I have that right? You're bang on. <laughs> and the reason, the reason I, I, you know, I was looking at your profile, Matt, and it's like you've had this meteoric rise in a relatively short period mm-hmm. um, at RBC. And so let's back up and Maybe tell tell the the listeners. Yeah, um, I'm stopping short of calling it Roth Revenue Nation. Yeah, uh, so tell the <laughs> listeners. Yeah, we were talking about humility before. Let's yeah. let's keep it let's keep it humble. Yeah. Um, tell listeners about your your background, how you got in. But I'd love to just learn more about you know how you know yeah. what's led to that ascension. I know you've got a great boss. Yeah. And the opportunities. Boss. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting and. Uh, for those of the people uh, that know me, know I have a lot of passion about speaking with, with younger people about getting in the industry, because it is tough. Um, there's only so many rules. Um, it gets even more finite once you get a sponsorship and you focus solely in sports. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have a job that's a little bit more broad. But yeah, my background actually, interestingly enough, is on the creative side. Um, I think that's why I have a, a passion for me with young people, because I really took a nonlinear path before that even existed or was cool. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I started off and did my undergrad in graphic design 
That's um, right. I saw that. I in shared your profile. it. That's right. So, um, and then I did my postgrad in new media, so like web design, motion graphics, 3D animation, and all yeah. those things. So, um, yeah, and ironically, that's how I got my foot in the door at, at MLSC. Yeah, was they were they were hiring for the creative department. And um, they were looking at grads, I think, from OCAD and Sheridan ex exclusively. So, um, you know, I think probably two or three years in my career, I was kicking myself in the pants, thinking I should have taken business school. But mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever would have got gotten hired. No. <laughs> right? Like, how would have I differentiated? You would have myself? been so, yeah, one of many. Yeah, right? if I applied yeah. at MLSD. So, yeah, um, yeah it was. Uh, it was kind of an amazing transformation and something when I now that I look back has been so beneficial to my career. I went back at, um, when I was at MLSC and took marketing management at night school at Ryerson yeah, just yeah. to have a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the creative side of things and just the, um, the understanding of visual and the and sort of the importance of visual, um, the importance of the creative process yeah. and working with partners, I think that was really um, the cornerstone for a lot of my success because um, I was really nobody. We still, we still, yeah, yeah. We we've got this inflated opinions of self, but we're we're still nobody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah update. I'm still yeah, nobody. Still nobody. That's actually a good lesson. I remember uh, I heard uh, something about um, you know just uh, I forget what the topic was, but it was a podcast about yeah. leadership, and it's just reminding yourself aware trying to remember your place in the world yeah and that we are still pretty insignificant and the world doesn't owe us anything and that's a complete different rabbit hole to go down that's a good it's a good perspective to have right totally yeah. totally yeah yeah so so the mlse thing mm -hmm. uh did you did you see a posting you pursued yeah it, it was like literally it was in marketing mag um Went in cold, and this is pretty much most of my career. Yeah. Um, so I got a crack in the door, and I just grabbed it. So, That's awesome. Um, I grew up in, in, in the Ottawa Valley, and obviously I was aware of the Raptors and Leafs. And, yeah. um, it was cool to be there to work on those campaigns and the launch yeah. of Toronto FC and so on. But, um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was like three or four interviews. I remember I had to go back and forth from Toronto to Ottawa twice <laughs> in the same day because I was just a, a young. But you must have been time. pinching yourself. Yeah, I was excited. You know, you're down at Forty brain. Bay back in the day, and yeah. um, you're there with some senior people and trying to impress yeah. them and showing your portfolio. So yeah, you felt uh, it was a it was. I was really happy when I got the role. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And did you shift internally there between yeah. roles? You, you yeah, it was partnerships kind of, at it. I did, and I think you know well, when you're at a team, um, when you're in a revenue uh, generation role, like, mm -hmm. like you've done most of your career, yeah. like yeah. Um, that's where you kind of want to be. That's yeah. who gets the respect. That's who gets the love. That's who gets the budget. That's who yeah. gets the autonomy. So yeah. Um, luckily enough, the creative partners department was right beside uh, the global partnership team at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, I um, it had been a humble pie, and they had a corporate. Uh, it's like almost like a global partnerships, like sales coordinator they were looking for. Yeah. So someone to manage the prospect list, help realize the basketball related revenue, mm -hmm. uh, hockey related revenue, and um, at the time I, I went in and interviewed and said I, I could do all those things, but mm -hmm. I could also help you, um, you know, make your pitches look the way they need to be. If you want yeah. Because I have Adobe Creative Suite. If you want to get a little more creative, and yeah. Come up with three big ideas. We can do that. So yeah. it was. It was in and around the same time that sponsorship was really evolving from like executive whim to yes. um, full marketing program. Telling more of a story. Yeah. So it's an interesting point because that the the person with that creative ability to make something a story resonate and sizzle and look great mm -hmm. um, can create opportunities for themselves because they you know it's often the rob a good salesperson is not that good at mm -hmm. those skills. 
And if you have somebody who's got a good business mind, but it also can just creatively lay something out, that's a great combination. Mm -hmm. And it led to the opportunity for you. Well, I think that's what, at the same time, as I said, I was going back to school at Ryerson and I was getting more interested in marketing. So like, it was almost like a halfway step for me to go full fledged marketing, but I learned like foundationally just getting in rooms and, and watching some of those guys and, and how they mm-hmm. pitched and, and how they built and shadowing just, yeah, like yeah. strategic framework and all that stuff. And um, who were some of the guys there that you kind of were able to tag along with? Yeah. Like, I mean, I re- report to, to Jeff DeLine, obviously yeah, at the sure. gate and Jeff's just a really steady guy knows the business and kind of cut his teeth through a similar path that I did. Right. So yeah. he started out as the intern and moved his way up to yeah. coordinator and so on. And then, Obviously, Hoppy. Yeah, yeah. Um, learned a ton from him. He's yeah. one of those guys. He's just... that Spanish guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The pronunciation's different. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Dave Hopkinson would obviously make a lot of time for me and teach me, um, you know, how to build and, and the flow of decks and um, yeah. And some just grab. Hey, I'm going to, to Coke right now. Come on with me. That's that is awesome. And uh, yeah, right. at that point, I had no business being in those those rooms, yeah. and that was part of the the, the allure of going there. It's like if I built the decks, whole fuck is getting the room. But I remember yeah. going up to pitches with uh, Tom Pastore and Jeff DeFord and just um, yeah. who would have been, I guess, pitching the equivalent of me now. And I just yes. was in awe of the whole process and learning from smart people. So Love it. So then you had a stint at PlayStation. I did. And that, did you I work think, with Matt Levitan I there? did, yeah. yeah. That's that's another person who really was important in my development too. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't know Matt beforehand, but PlayStation yeah. was a longtime partner and I wanted to be a hardcore marketer. I didn't think I was a sales guy. So yeah. making that transition and I did the... Um, uh, all the retail merchandising. I worked with a lot of their um, large accounts like Best Buy and yeah. Target at the time. And we just wanted to move software and hardware. And it was a highly competitive industry. Every yeah. day you're just checking out to see what Microsoft's doing and yes. Nintendo's doing. Yes. And, um, yeah, as I said, similar to Leafs Raps, I was a fan of the teams maybe, but gaming, uh, I don't mind playing it. Yeah. But I think I kind of got addicted to being around people who are passionate about their jobs and mm-hmm. people at PlayStation that you know would never leave. So yeah. so yeah, Levitan was there and he was the one that hired me and um, from him I learned like all the core principles. Like he's just such an astute guy and extremely well smoke spoken. Yes. Great at PR. Yes. Extremely well written. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I picked up a lot of those those base elements of like hardcore marketing I'd say from him. When I uh, uh, when I was at WWE mm-hmm. I did I got to know Matt because PlayStation was uh, was a partner, in yeah. that, but that was through Siegel. Yeah, so he started off right. there as like and yeah, then, account then, director, and then, and then, then moved brand. over. Right. Um, but yeah, he's one of those people that knows gaming inside and out. And yeah. I was always just in his communication skills, verbal and, yes. and written, were just phenomenal. Yeah. I remember just being like, man, I wish I could, wish I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You always notice people that you're envious of certain skills. I was saying this the other day. There was early in my career, and you know, I've always been. A people person but it's never to say you can't grow yeah and there was a guy who worked for me mm-hmm. early in my career who to me was the best networker yeah. I've ever seen he would go to conferences seminars whatever and before by the end of that session he would just have a story or intimate knowledge of a handful of people yeah. he just said it had a natural way and I marveled and you say like we we all we could have skills, but you can always learn from people and be inspired. And and I think it's the message there is, is just having just being open to learning from your peers, right? Yeah, I think you know people talk a lot about mentorship and um, like I'm a I'm a mosaic or a mashup of about fifty people. I think yeah. the people that do mentorship yeah. wrong that t- t- they take one person. 
um, and try to do a direct pull and do exactly what they do. Like, just That's like a any, great, great point. Right. So, um, and they're not here to like further your career. Right? Yeah. Like so riding on their coattails and doing exactly as they do. Yeah. I think you're better to be meet with a lot of people and um, a lot of the bosses I've had, I think my leadership style has been developed a significant portion of this of the weaknesses they've had. Yeah, I think I've always had this lunch running laundry list of, you know, people who were present, you know, was their, was their door always open? Yes. Do they have time for me? Um, um, you know, do they, they know when they were traveling? Um, yes. were they willing to put me in the spotlight? Yes. And I think I've always, in my subconscious, um, had a track of the way I was treated, both positive and negative, and tried not to duplicate those um, attributes. Really I think. well said. Yeah, because I, I, that's the first take of that mosaic, that mashup of so many. Yeah. Because that is reality. We're all shaped by yeah. our experiences, and we've all had bosses, a number of bosses, and you take good and bad, yeah. right? But take, right? Take and yeah. learn and grow, right? Yeah, and I apply. think it's, it's reflecting on what they're providing you and if it's of value. And um, if, you, if you do that, you're always yeah. trying to correlate. And then you're doing a lot of self-reflection on how you're doing and yeah. asking other people yeah. if you've missed the script. So um, yeah. So then, yeah, then it ended up at RBC. It was um, one of those things where I wanted to work for a head office. And back then, Josh Epstein was here. Yes. He's um, um, a really smart guy in his own right. And um, Andy Shibata, who's at Air Canada. Yes. And then Jim Little, yeah. who was at Bell. And Jim obviously was at RBC and at Shaw. So interviewed here and I just knew I wanted to be around more smart people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got hired as manager of working on, brand manager on working on hockey and golf. First started out here seven <laughs> Boy, years ago. Ew, ew, gross. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, it was yeah. a real tough portfolio. Yeah. And then yeah, since then obviously um, you talked about my boss, I'm pretty lucky having someone like Mary DePauly to learn from every day and yeah. um, you know, a lot of women come up to me like, you know, she's such an inspiration to women. I'm like, well, men too. Like, <laughs> you know, like I wish I was as balanced and, um, and shrewd and um, had the network she had in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, we couldn't be any more different, I guess, physically, yeah. <laughs> yes. but like I've never worked with someone who um, just morally and values wise, I'm more That's aligned it. with, right? That's so it. When you find that, you hold on for dear life. <laughs> well, said. well said. Yeah, we, we uh, well, you and I, I think I remember you being a part of, were you part of the Olympic discussions? No, you would have come after 2010. Yes. So you would have been part I of I think the, I was in 12. I would have interviewed yeah. in 11, and I got yeah. hired in like February or March. Okay, so it would have been the golf discussions that we would have crossed yes. paths on for sure. I do remember that. I was just trying to think, was there something before? And, mm -hmm. and a quick thing on Mary is when I was at Rogers Media mm -hmm. heading up integrated sales, um, I would often find myself in control of the Rogers suite for major concerts and events. Yeah. And then I'd be allocating to different parts of the team. And one day a rep comes to me and says, Sun Life is a major client. At the time, Mary yeah. was the, the head of marketing there, and um, and Mary DePauli is the, the client and would would love to go to the Taylor Swift concert. And <laughs> she's got um, a daughter. She does, uh, two yeah, daughters. Two daughters, and so um, I said for sure. And she made a point of finding me at the box, didn't know me, and just the most engaging, and we talked about life, and I had two daughters there, and mm -hmm. this connection, and, and here was the, 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 the cement uh, part, is she remembered me saying my youngest was a big Raptor fan, and they were a partner yeah. of the Raptors. At my office, a week later, shows up some signed DeMar DeRozan oh, stuff nice. for my daughter, yeah. and that's what shows you, that's what separates people. Right? Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's consistency, right? Um, 
I think it doesn't matter if you canvassed 100 people that know her, it'd be this, probably a similar story. And, That's it. Um, that you kind of marvel at too. It's like, how do you do that? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. like, it's just um, DNA. It's DNA. Yeah, yeah you're either right. that way or you're not. Correct. But it's a very um, unique skill, but I think it's also really genuine. You can't fake that. You're either yeah. not that or you don't. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think of people like Tom Wright that I've worked for. Mm -hmm. You know, don't know if you've come across. No, Tom. I've heard very good things. But about yeah, him. he was commissioner of the CFL. It was the same thing. It was like you can't be this good. Like yeah. it can't be. It can't be real. It's too too amazing. Like he, we go with uh, you know, if, if you and and I went with him to a, yeah. a lunch, he treat the busboy and the waiter as well as he treats you yeah. you know and uh he just genuinely cared about people and that's that's people like mary and i'm sure i see a lot of that in mm -hmm. you and yeah. uh, you can well, just thanks, man. Yeah. Means a lot yeah. you try yeah i mean it's funny you know the more senior you get you've had a lot of senior roles you're always yeah. said, trying to triangulate to see if you're um how, how big of a gap there is between perception and reality even within yourself well said and i think um that's why um you always got to go out there and get the feedback make sure yeah. that you're tracking the right way and um because it's hard to tell over time how much you've changed and if you've changed and it's yeah. not an obsessive way but yeah. um i think i'm a big backer of doing a 360 on, on a consistent basis Good. and um, i'm always soliciting feedback from people who are interns coordinators all the way up to people who are more senior Good. i mean like how am i doing and what am i looking like and yeah um I think you just have to prove to them that you're open to having that conversation. Yeah. And yeah. once they believe that and they know there's reper no repercussions, it. you can That's not it, really that you gain genuinely a lot. want that feedback. Yeah. So normally you look at and and these are for those not familiar. I mean, in the world of sponsorship marketing, mm -hmm. your job is the job, like a, you know, like leading yeah. marketing and brand and sponsorship for yeah. a major bank in this country is the gig and. RBC is touched. You know, you talk about Jim Little. Yeah. Uh, before I probe a little bit more, it just I still laugh. The funniest little um, analogy he, mm -hmm. he he gave. We came in with the when I was with the Olympic Consortium, and yeah. we came in with a very robust opportunity. RBC is the Olympic sponsor at the time. Yeah. And we controlled the media rights, and we sat down, we took him through it, and he says, "Guys, I love ice cream." but I don't need five scoops. <laughs> I will never forget that. He says, just give me two scoops, yeah. you know, uh, peanut butter, chocolate, and, uh, yeah. you know, a rocky road, and I'm good. Uh, like, I need a tailor, too. And it was a great little analogy. But uh, you come to, so you go to banks, and you don't typically see somebody rise that quickly. Mm -hmm. It takes time. And yeah. so somebody saw everything you bring to the table. Yeah. Just talk about how those opportunities evolve. Yeah, it's funny. I met with someone this morning. They were asking me something similar. It's, um, yeah, I don't I know I've been through three or four bosses, three, three CMOs and a couple bosses since yeah. I've been here. But obviously, Andy Shabata was, was super supportive of me. and. Um, I just think I'm more so than anything. I was just lucky that the way I approached work kind of aligns with the culture of this place. So yes. um, we, you mentioned humility on the outside and anyone's ever seen me speak on panels, I bring that up all the time and my team's annoyed by it, I'm sure. But <laughs> I really think that's the key to any success. It gives you clarity in decision-making. Yeah. Um, it allows you to just focus on the success of the program. It disarms people. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that um, I took a humble approach and... Um, and to be honest, man, I worked harder than everyone else. I'd say humble approach, work harder than everyone else, and then um, always raise my hand. Mm -hmm. I didn't care if it was a disparate part or not aligned with what I wanted to do. But as soon as I got in on hockey and golf, I raised my hand on the environmental side. We had a blue water program. Mm -hmm. um, 
And um, but I think half of that's just knowing what motivates you. And for me, I always knew I was a marketer. Yeah. Right. Whether that was on the creative side, whether that was sponsorship, which is a channel technically. Correct. Um, but I just always wanted to be um, at the tip or the point of the spear on marketing. So um, I always did those things over and over. And once um, you are humble, and then you work on a bunch of things, you raise your hand and you work hard on a bunch of things. Eventually, it just becomes over, your output becomes overwhelming. Like yeah. he's working on that. <laughs> and he's working on like the team's on this now too. Yeah. yeah. And um, I really didn't care who presented it or got the accolades because if you're in enough rooms, essentially, you know, there's one they're common denominator. Connect, they're they're right? They'll connect the dots. Yeah. So. Uh, um, but the fact that you, I guess, the bosses turned over you constantly had exposure to people who were built probably coming in saying, "I want to put my thumbprint on yeah. on this role," and there's a guy in Matt and Glenn mm-hmm. that I can that I see has trust and respect that that I can lean on and clearly deserves opportunity yeah. and growth. I don't want to lose him. Yeah. Because you always go, you you you've stepped into these roles where you're leading big teams. Yeah. You've got your eye on people you don't want to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's funny because I'm a slow burn kind of guy too. Like um I try and fit in whatever room I'm in, and if um, I always kind of joke, they want me to speak at the podium, move the podium, <laughs> order the podium, I'll do whatever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that person gets swept under the rug. So I think yes. I've been lucky enough that I've had empathetic leaders around me that um, I was never going to, um, you know, stand at the front of the line and ask for the, the attention, even if I did yeah. something. So, uh, you know, this this story could have worked very differently as well. But yeah. I always trusted that um, I just. Behind the scenes, I just overwhelmingly win somehow. Yeah, good right? for you. Yeah. Um, so talk about what your role entails now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's yeah it's, it's an amazing position as you said like um, working for a bank it's a head office decisions are made here um, you know it's one of those categories that does have budget to, to make decisions so yeah essentially um, um, while sponsorship really started my career in marketing that's probably about a, a quarter of the portfolio now so I have sponsorship which consists of Olympics. Um, golf, um, race for kids, which is a global platform, all of our global sponsorship strategy, and then um, music. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other side, we also have youth um, and arts. So mm-hmm. we have a big arts. That's platform. it. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Student have banking. You, have you missed any? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're checking all the boxes. Yeah. Wee's obviously falling under. That yeah, I saw the video playing in the elevator bank there. Uh, it's yeah. amazing. So we have a very diverse set of uh, things that we do. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the. Some of my sort of my creative side and my graphic design and comes into play is on the, the broad strategy. So like the governance and standards, it's just like a logical tie. And we also have metrics and insights and then events. So Amazing. Um, yeah, there's, there's really cool. not much to complain about. That's what a sure. cool gig. How how many people in those areas? So if you add up, and yeah. then you'll have a select few direct reports. Yeah, I probably I'd say that um, you know sponsorship and the youth marketing groups are ones that kind of create the campaigns, the straw that stirs the drink, but. Net net, I think our team's about forty-two people or something okay. there. But yeah, um, yeah but it's really campaign driven. Yeah, direct. I'd say five. That's good. Yeah, it's funny for those listening. It, it's uh, people. Um, I think as you build, there's some some people who get caught up in how many people report to them, and the best leaders probably have it distilled down to a select few and empower mm. those select few That's it. to lead their teams. Uh, otherwise, it's too overwhelming for you to have yeah. 10, 12 direct reports in. Five is kind of a sweet yeah, spot. Yeah, you just try to keep it to five or six because yeah. you're kind of doing yourself a disservice or, or the employee is suffering. Right? Exactly. So, you're not giving them time. No, building so they're not them. learning. So, Good um, for you. That's a very good point, though. 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, we let's talk a little bit about. So we've touched on mentors. Yeah. Um, anything you want to? I, I I just think it's such an important topic, and I love what you said about. And because it's something I believe in as well as yeah. talking to youth and going and and and, and mentoring uh, students, whether yeah. I do it mostly at York and Schulich and George Brown, um, and uh, so mentorship. Talk talk about the importance to you and maybe how some of the mentors you've had. And we touched yeah, on yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah. I, I really would say it was um, it, yeah, it was a lot of those people. They said like um, yeah, Dave Hopkinson has a very unique skill set, but like how you know how we approach things, um, even down to like how we dress. Like yes. there, there, there was a there was an equation there, right? <laughs> I see um, that did not rub off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm very yeah. fully dressed. Yeah, yeah. Jeans on, yeah, yeah. Martin's yeah no, no shiny <laughs> pinstripe suit. Uh, yeah, but even Nick, you know, his vernacular and how we approach things, and yeah. um, um, you know, Andy Shibata and himself, like just a high energy guy, yeah. really wanted to do big, still does do big things, and. You know, um, even Jim, just like he can come in from, Jim always impressed me too, Jim Little, because he had a communications background and usually perceive people who are either good at comms or marketing, or it's hard to be good at both. And yeah. um, he really was a creative mind um, mm-hmm. and uh, super quick, as, as, as your story kind of yeah. led. And then, yeah. yeah, Mary's pretty much the most well-rounded human being you could kind of meet. But I know from my perspective, like, um, I make a concerted effort. If, if people hit me on LinkedIn, they, they mm-hmm. get they get time with me, much to my EA chagrin. Yeah, <laughs> it's the yeah. coordinating night coordination That's nightmare. It. But I, I I learn a ton from it, and um, a lot of the conversation I think they get a kick out of. As I said, because I didn't really know what I was going to do, and mm-hmm. I backed into this, and um, and my just my positive outlook. I just try and give them a bit of a reality check on life right now, especially with Instagram and being in social, it's all highlights and mm-hmm. your friends never tell you about, you know, the 500 resumes they sent out and the 50 jobs they didn't get. They just tell you about the one they did get. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young well, too, sure. your friends are always making 20K less than they say they are. So I'm like, I think a lot of time my messages to <laughs> yeah. them, it's like, be, be kind to yourself, you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, no one's killing it. Yeah. Um, you're seeing the best of, and that, whether that's on digital or verbally, they're just serving up the best of to you. So, um, yeah, it's just be, be kind to yourself and be positive and just trust that you're doing the right things to eventually that, you know, you'll, you'll break through, so. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting the point you made about those who hit you up on LinkedIn, a quick story is, and this is this is so true representative, I think, so I go and do a, um, a talk at George Brown, 70 kids in the room, mm-hmm. at the end I say, hey, reach out to me on LinkedIn. So now, now the numbers come in, let's do a little math, right? Yeah. Um, I, I had uh, about 10%, six reach out. I remember I was telling the story to somebody, so I remember the huh. numbers. And uh, here's the interesting, all of those who reached out were female students. So it's really? a weird little play there on guys kind of getting in their own way and not asking for help. And uh, But then the follow-up ended up being three of the six. And all three, I was happy to sit down and grab a coffee, and they become ongoing it's become an ongoing mentor-mentee relationship, but from 70 down to three, yeah. right? Like, what is people? Come on, right? Yeah. Here's a golden opportunity to learn from somebody, uh, and I'm just using myself as an example, right? Yeah. The same numbers would apply. Yeah, you're you know? probably right. Maybe, people, don't yeah. tell me you're getting a better percentage hit. Okay, yeah, now my, my clothes, my clothes is pretty <laughs> obvious. No, I think it's about the same, yeah. and it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for those people, they just you have to come armed. Like, don't, like don't do research and recite back everything yeah. about golf. I want you to be aware of it. But like, yeah. if there's one or two things you really need help with, just just yeah. make sure you say on the outset. Like, 
it's two challenges I'm facing right now, and that yes. makes me feel like you're respecting my time. Yeah, don't be so vague. Yeah, make think, it hard, make you do the work. Right? Yeah, so spend yeah. five minutes thinking about what two things you want to get out of it, because I think that puts our mind at ease that this isn't going to extend past the half yeah. hour, but um, and it's just respectful of people's time. But I think as as a mentee, you also have to be really cognizant. Um, of um, making sure that you're reaching out to people that you want to get exposed to. It's yeah. sometimes it's peers, but um, making sure that it's not just you giving all the time and, and, and well you, you should take, it's going to be disproportionate. I'm a big yeah. believer you give more than you can take, but at least 10% of the time and show you people you're excited about or people yeah. you learn from. But sometimes you get in these um, cycles where three months go by and yeah. it feels like you know people have been uh, stealing your story and all your takeaways yeah. and being motivated by you. It's like, who's, yeah. who's filling your tank, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well said. Yeah. Um, so let's pivot to uh, sponsorship yeah. and partnership initiatives. I'd love to just get your take on a program you've been close to, yeah. instrumental with, that you're proud of, a little bit of why. Yeah, the sponsorship side, um, I mean, obviously Olympics is something that um, I missed 2010, which was a big thing here, and um, domestic games is something that was yeah, kind of excited about. Which, hopefully, I had my fingers crossed for Calgary. It's yes. frustrating, but, yes. um, but yeah, I, I missed that. Uh, that cycle, but I have been deeply um, involved with the Olympic movement, specifically in Canada, for like yeah. years now. And yeah, I think training ground for me was a real game changer. And that's something we developed when Andy was here, Kelly Cranston, who led the Olympic uh, group uh, at that time. She's come back off mat leave in a month, which is exciting. So mm -hmm. um, we worked on that. And the real, the whole impetus for that was we um, how do you activate against an Olympic property and not Olympic cares? Helps yes. with the value equation. So yes. big, big mandate at the COCs. I know that. Yeah, and that really yeah. came together through working with our media partner, working with CBC and Jim Kozak, who was there at the yes. time, working with the COC, COF, um, experiential partner Mosaic. So there was like, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. You kind of get this sixth sense when you have the right amount of people around the table to have the right level of motivation, the right point in their career, and the mm -hmm. right level of strategic thinking. It was one of these. Real mixtures yeah, where it just felt like something great to come yeah. out of this. Um, is perfect it, storm a good term or a bad term? Uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Now that you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. well, we'll call it a good storm. Yeah, yeah. Good perfect storm. Yeah. So kind of a lot of things have yeah. to hit at the right time. And I'm just really proud of that, proud of that platform because it, it, it truly is a marketing platform and a sponsorship yeah. platform, but it's also making significant impact in the, in the sporting um in sporting world, right, in amateur sports, which is significantly underfunded. So going out across Canada, doing these combines, finding the next Andre de, Andre de Grasse, because we don't have that athlete development life cycle here that we do, or they do in the States and yes. Australia and yes. so on. Yes, It's, um, I'm just, like, you know, need partners if I ever leave, yeah, if I ever leave RBC, I'm pretty yeah. confident that whoever comes back and takes my chair, I was like, that was pretty soundly built. Yeah, it's based nice. on insight, based on metrics. There was a lot of different components, but as I said, we pulled in charitable, pulled in media, um, uh, pulled in the COC as a property, pulled in mm -hmm. experiential, because the combines have to be executed. But I'm just like so proud of that from top to bottom. And, um, and it's nice to give our regions, because we've been doing, I think we're the longest standing Olympic team sponsor in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember we've been doing that since '47, right? So there's right. just a it's built into our DNA, and there's this yeah. natural appetite. So, and how do you measure, stay on top of that to say it's working for you? What is the, you know, I, uh, the term in my head is kickback, but that's a bad term. What, yeah. What's the, the benefit back? Yeah, I think for us, that's why we're so lucky to have the metrics department, you know, in under the purview or within yeah. our team. So it's not an afterthought; it's something yeah. that's woven into the. 
the campaign development process. So some are they of it, all are they all like twenty two year old computer scientists? <laughs> I remember when I was at Rogers and we got into data analytics. Yeah. It was all these twenty two year old computer scientists carrying around laptops or iPads in yeah, elevator yeah. banks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making yeah. me feel very dumb. I must say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say like obviously awareness is important, but when you've been a partner for this long. Um, you know, people are aware of our, our relationship with the, the Olympic movement, the CNC yeah. specifically. So it's really about um, isolating the three or four perceptions we're trying to shift and making sure that we make aggressive goals and realistic but ambitious goals on how much we can move those. Um, and then there's also on the other side of the coin, knowing that we're giving a significant amount of money to um, the athletes yeah. and their development. Um, it's just tracking the number of people we tested. Like that's the yes. impact, right? And then um, we have some unbelievable, I think, um, in the upcoming games in Tokyo, we're anticipating three to five athletes that we found participating. That is So if cool. you talk about deep That's public storytelling, like we planted that seed four or five years ago. That's so now if we think about our digital um, 30 second ad on broadcast or digital or six second bumper, it's like um, a decathlete like Pierce LePage is someone we just found in Scarborough was not carded. He's Raw a six talent. foot seven right. um, decathlete that runs like a four four forty that just was was off the radar. And he's, yeah. Um, he's, he's yeah he's he's doing really well. He's he's been top ten finishes at um, international competitions. We have dozens of those stories now. So I think that's the biggest thing in marketing. It's like how how much insight and thought and data driven decision making are involved, and then you you have to take shots and do these super tactics in the moment, but then you have to plant these seeds and hopefully harvest down the road because it's not just enough putting your logo on something. You have to, like, like we're going to literally have four or five years of footage with some of these guys yeah, yeah. that we found them and track that program. I heard an interesting term that makes me think of that legacy has always been a backward-facing Somebody left a great legacy. Mm. We should start thinking about it much more as a forward-facing. Yeah. And, and what I think about when you say this is you're you're really planting seeds and leaving a lasting legacy with these this program training ground and the athletes that will emerge from it and building better, you know, athletes yeah. and better people and that's it. you know and I'm sure it doesn't matter if they they ultimately bank. Uh, you want them to, mm -hmm. but but people watching it will be inspired to. That's right, it. To, That's to, it. To and, and maybe you. someone considers you because you, you did that yeah. holistic good, right? Yeah. So, um, and then yeah, obviously golf is something I'm we're really proud yes. of here too. You've you've touched that a bit yes. in your career, and um, that was something that started in 08. So we're we're in year ten right now, and it's just yeah. it's it's growing. We got like. You know, we just announced some more golfers. We're doing more with Canadian golfers. Yeah, that are US that. teams, right. like Corey Connors and added Webb Simpson. Yeah. We got Dustin from last year. Oh, you added Webb? Yeah, we added Webb. Well. That was announced in January. Yeah, so he seems like a good dude. Amazing. Because that's guy. what I did want to ask you about yeah. that and while we're on it. Help, help us understand how when you pick a brand ambassador, because mm -hmm. I know your team, RBC yeah. Golf Ambassadors, very well, that program. Um, but I'm not as intimate in the decision making yeah. and the people listening. What goes into deciding that Matt yeah. Kuchar and Ernie Els and and Corey Connors and now Webb Simpson, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I think the best way not to be a banker, but the best way to look at it is it is very much an asset or a stock, right? So you yes. want to make sure you have some that are mature, That's some that are great way of putting it. <laughs> or some that some that are just on the way up. So, um, but we obviously work very closely with Steve Marshman and Wasserman on that. And, yeah. Um, I'm saying that math metrics is paramount, but we have, we have like a proprietary model that we've created to like yeah. funnel it down from 200. Um, and a lot of it's around brand alignment. We do a lot of research behind the scenes too. Once we put them through that scorecard, that funnel to um, just vet them. Love and this. we have enough people in the tour and other players that we know um, 
So you're never foolproof. You make so sure it's almost like doing a background yourself. check. Oh, yeah. And, it's just like it's, yeah. like, it's like me applying for a job and you check yeah. my references. Yeah. Um, athletes don't do that. But yeah. if you ask a couple, they'll give it to you pretty straight yeah. if they're loved in the clubhouse or the dressing room or yeah. um, if they have too much um, participation in the extra, extra <laughs> activity. So, yeah, well, there's a lot of science behind that. Well, and I'll be honest, I, like, I, I was like, okay, so Dustin Johnson, you know, has had some questionable yeah. behavior in the past. So it was a bold move I thought I, I personally feel like he has turned the page oh, so 100%. I, I, that's why it's, I yeah. figured but I had to believe there was some debate yeah uh, with signing him yeah there's always risk in that yeah. um, but as I said like um, you know the speed at which business is done and therefore marketing if, if you don't take chances yes um, and informed chances is informed what we took chances, but um, yeah. you're not going to be seen right so yeah Five years ago, would we, would we have done something like that? Probably yeah. not. But that's also why the opportunity was there, too. He probably would have been a head-to-toe night guy. Yes. <laughs> right? yes. yes. But, um, um, yeah, but he's changed um, his, his life drastically and um, yeah, having the, the family grow and so on. But he's been amazing. And a decent mentor around him and yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, he's got yeah. Wayne there. Yeah. His, his agent um, um, is amazing, too. Yeah. Like yeah. He's got a very strong group around him. And they said, like, he's a... You meet that guy. He's my height, probably about twenty pounds heavier. He's an yeah. athlete. That guy can dunk a basketball. Um, yeah. So um, he's the real deal. So he's been amazing. Just um, with yeah. our, with our hosting, um, in our commercial shoots. He's not high maintenance at all. But, Good. Um, That's great to hear. Yeah. Talk about Brooke. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. to me, I, I'm such a fan. She came up through the program when I was at Golf Canada, and then uh, she merged um, onto the pro onto the LPGA tour and. Um, I tell you, I tell everybody, I'm watching way more mm-hmm. LPGA golf than I ever did. She's drawn me, and uh, she's I'm just proud yeah. that she's a Canadian athlete shining on a global stage, and I know she's part of your yeah. your crew. Talk about Brooke, yeah, and she's, Brooke uh, Anderson. Obviously, just like um, a generational talent. Yeah, um, I have a lot of heart for her. She grew up about half an hour from where Smith I grew up. She's Smith Falls, okay, so I'm from yeah. Elmont, so um, the Valley people have to take care of there these, you go. each other. But yeah, she's um, she's just been incredible. She's just um, so down to earth. Right. Her parents are very involved in the right way in her career. Yes, um, unbelievable at hosting our clients. Um, super agreeable. Um, yeah, it's from start to finish, we've been trying to do more and more with her from Good. a rights and likeness perspective and leveraging the relationship as much as possible. But um, yeah, there's been a lot more pull, especially from the, the U.S. too. Yes, uh, her time is, yeah. So I'm it's sure. a little bit more stretch where it's not Canadian women's clinics anymore. It's so much broader than that. So um, yeah, she's been an excellent partner since day one. And what I love is a father of daughters. You've got a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, is, is or sorry, did you say? Yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, is um, her inspiration, she's an inspiration to young girls. Yeah. Uh, I watched these kids show up at the Women's Open whenever yeah. I was there. And uh, and I think it's going to be an Aurora this it year, is. right? Yeah, Magna. Magna. And uh, it's amazing how many young girls show up. And that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. She really, um, she inspires a lot of people. And um, I don't know if many Canadian girls have been, thought about golf as a sport right we've had you know the, the well the Mike Weir effect yeah, Mike Weir effect, golf, yeah. right but it feels like it was more of a tennis thing we had Jeannie yes. kind of hitting where she's uh, sure. hit, uh, a couple of years ago so yes. yeah it's been nice to kind of see that that change but awesome an, an unbelievable ambassador for us good and and then there's so many other programs out there I love to pick just marketers brains and sponsorship marketers yeah. brains about just what else uh, has resonated with you in the market? Maybe that you haven't been involved in, but you've just yeah. admired from a distance. Yeah, it's you know so much, right? Yeah, there's so much out there. I think 
you know, we I worked on the uh, sponsored marketing awards um, selection committee last year, and one one thing that really stuck out was obviously itty bitty ballers and GoDaddy, and they yeah. got a lot of love for that. And like, I have a heart for the first generation with with Jonas. It just felt the right level of absurdity, but also applicability. He is a rock star. Yeah, you know, like just, he's like yeah. I think there he's in their Uber. Yeah. Uh, pe- Partners will gravitate to Jonas. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got, he got the physical size, but he also has a bit of a sense of personality. And they've tried to do other iterations since then. I mean, it, well, I call it the SI cover curse. Yeah. Because since then, it was it was Norm and now CJ, and yeah. they both went through their worst periods when they yeah. became go to yeah. ambassadors. So. so I mean, obviously that one, just yeah. the first iteration for me, I was like, that's so so different, and so so crazy from a sponsorship perspective, and um, it is tough as a marketer too, because obviously once you get success like that, you want to repeat it. And yes, it's cursed them, but also like, you know, think about even just from a broader marketing perspective, like um, the WestJet. Um, yeah, Christmas Miracle. Christmas Miracle. So like if you do that the first time, you have to do it another year, but it's never quite as successful as the first one, right? But as a, as a marketer, you're like, how could you not repeat it? Like, look at the post report. That's like, it. you have to do it, but. Uh, you know, it makes me think of ALS and the yeah. ice bucket. You know, these, the insane success of the Ice Bucket Challenge, and they've been trying to capture lightning. And you almost have to give in to the fact that some things are just organic and viral, and it just happens. And yeah, you Mary, and I were, Mary, and talking, you're, like, Mary and I were talking about it, too. It's like, um, you know, we were talking about, like, biggest takeaways from last year. We were just having discussions around resilience. And the funny thing about the speed of business that I keep referring to, it's like the wins come faster, but so do the losses. Yes. Like, if you can't bounce back... Um, it's tough. Like, you know, I think a lot of people, um, whenever you launch a campaign or you do an unbelievable stunt or a tactic, it's, you know, that was on Friday, Monday rolls around and it's like completely forgotten, completely forgotten. Yeah, so turn the page. I think yeah. now more so than ever, um, especially on the client side, which you may have been sheltered from that. It's just, you, you need to be able to take the hits, yeah. not get much recognition and keep on rolling. Yeah, um, well said. So yeah, I'd say a bitty, bitty, bitty ballers. And everything too, like, and this is such a, a weird one, but, the HSBC um, airport um, yes. bridge to the gate. It's so is, much. <laughs> we, I think as marketers, we all yeah. see it, and we all kind of half get angry that we didn't come up with the idea. Yes. And then we go on the plane, then we forget, then we walk down, and we half <laughs> yeah, forget. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was down in um, Vegas last week checking out the Golden Knights, and I was walking by, and it's just such a smart play. And I know yeah. some, some people don't. Because we're, we're all in that little alleyway for, and, and I've heard about 15 different terms for it, but... Yeah. And and you you're slowly walking. You Gate absorb bridge. this. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You absorb this message. But the creative is so uh, well written. Like yeah. the imagery is so provocative. Yeah. It makes you think, and you're a captive audience. But it's really for their commercial banking, yeah. right? And that's the they did. When you get hyper targeted like that, yeah, where it's like that. this household income. It's a great example product. of how advertising can be used as a as an activation tool. That's right? it. And, and, and they and specifically went after um, these international hubs. Yes. It's, in Canada, that's a bit more prevalent. There's a couple other ones they yeah. have, but globally yeah. there's like 10 to 12 they just attacked. Well said, yeah. Because they know that the average business person is eventually going to come through that rotation. It's very so. clever, and it's been long running. Yeah. Yeah, but then outside of that, I mean, broader marketing examples, that's, it's just super tactics. It's like we talk about those inflection points yeah. and isolating opportunity. I was down in New York, um, didn't plan it this way. My wife went down and it just happened to be U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we were going through Soho and people are losing their mind at, at Stone Island and yeah. Montclair yeah, and yeah, yeah. Supreme. And I was walking um, kind of by myself at this point. I walked by REI, mm-hmm. which essentially is the U.S. equivalent of Mac, right? I mean, okay. It's not a yeah, yeah. Off, but 
every year, and I forgot about this because I've spoken to paneling years before and used this as an example, but they close on Black Friday because they want you to get outside. Oh, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yeah, and that's not go against the grain. Yeah, right? and, and it makes sense with their business. So once again, like that talks to their demo. It makes sense with their business. It's yeah. it's a it's it's a timely thing. I they get in the market, that. out of markets. So it's just. I have way more appreciation for just little things like that as opposed to larger campaigns, which you do need to do to help achieve smart strategic product and market yeah. objectives. But stuff like that, I just love. Well said, well said. Um, you know, you guys get um, as as RBC, you, you get. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna hazard a guess. Hundreds, mm -hmm. literally, of sponsorship requests. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. How do you, what's your filter? Yeah, so we, um, as I said, part of our sponsorship portfolio that Shannon Cole here runs is um, the sponsorship strategy. So that's one thing we isolated um, four or five years ago. It's like, how do we create a common filter? Because in large organizations like this, yeah. uh, especially when it's banking, it's very relationship-based. It could be senior people coming in through eight different doors. Yeah. And it was just getting frustrating. So um, if it's a client, yes, you do have to handle them a bit differently, but yeah. we... Um, we did a standardized scorecard working with Wasserman yeah. um, based on the different geographies we exist and then put some sort of uh, process and guidelines for us to get uh, intake mm -hmm. um, all the way through decline. And um, when you do that, you forget. I think we get, I think we get 250 a month, I think is, is what it is. Okay. So it's it's beneficial for a couple reasons. Um, one, I think it gets us to know faster, yes. um, which benefits not only us, but the property. Yes, I um, agree. Two, I think from an efficiency and resource perspective, because they're coming through one door it's not popping back up, uh, whack-a-mole style. But also, because like, we have all this information and data, mm -hmm. if we want to pull um, arts in UK and look at um, comparable properties and what they pitched us and how much it was, it's yeah, almost so a negotiation tool too. Wow. So, which we didn't really think about on the onset. Um, Interesting. So yeah, there's like four or five. So you store them, right? Yeah. They're all stored, um, yeah, in a database. Yeah, people wouldn't think about that. They probably think, okay, it was declined and it's in the trash. Yeah, and yeah. I think, a bit, and then the last component is it allows you to have intelligent conversations um, with executives about why and why not because yeah. it's a scorecard. It does this for brand, this for reach. Especially when that executive might be say getting somebody pulling on them and saying. Emotionally, I want to do this, but so it, it's an intelligent conversation when you talk about strategic alignment with um, executives. It's an intelligent conversation when you do negotiation. Yeah, it's an intelligent conversation when you activate, and then you're standardized or post reporting too. So, Good. Um, so yeah, we have a very methodical approach that we that we take to that that we're very proud of. So good. Um, and then trends. Um, have you noticed any interesting as a as a sponsor of so many world class yeah. properties and 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 arts and and cause and all that? What what are you seeing as a sponsor? Yeah. Uh, with property listeners, perhaps, what, what are some of the trends you've noticed? Yeah, I know. I mean, every time you do a keynote, everyone's like, yeah, yeah I have to track the measurement. But I actually, and people are like, well, you know, they come up with some floppy answer that yeah. is barely quantifiable. <laughs> but I think, I actually do think that properties, and um, as you can tell, our group specifically, is like they're making a concerted effort to, to deem what success looked like, create scorecards. Um, I don't know if you can ever do hardcore ROI. There might be one or two components that yeah. can track that, depending on if it's hospitality and so on. But I do feel like there's a concerted effort as budgets collapse and everything gets scrutinized uh, around measurement. So um, I think it was lip service before. Mm -hmm. I think it's real now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, in, in addition, I'd say it's also just the rise of experiential, you know, which ironically for like a marketing channel perspective is always kind of viewed as the afterthought or the redheaded stepchild and yeah. 
Um, it's complicated. It is complicated, and it's yeah. hard to it's hard to evaluate. But I think now hard with, to do effectively too. Yeah, yeah, and I think the fact that content captures become so important, it almost becomes less risky because you you yeah. do have the ability to have one to one interactions. Um, people do. You know, I always use the term "feed their feed." They have this insatiable need to. Yeah. If you create something that's like sticky enough, they'll post it. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's an opportunity when you do something like that is to capture it too, um, whether that's for brand purposes and spit it out through our channel. Mm -hmm. So it kind of becomes um, mitigates risk because you can there's like four or five different benefits well to it. So I'd say yeah, I'd say metrics and just more of a true focus as opposed to lip service before, and then 100% just experiential seems to keep growing and growing. Yeah, it's not just a buzzword, it's 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 real, I, yeah. I agree. Um, last question on, before we wrap on a couple personal things, sure. is um, um, I can't help but, you know, sitting here with an accomplished brand marketer, the, the attention that the whole Gillette yeah. that got, and where I want to go with that is, is the dangers, I guess, of and the risk reward of going into um, social messaging, social causes yeah. through marketing. The two examples that come to mind are Nike with yeah. Colin Kaepernick and and Gillette, uh, this this best a man can get uh, um, messaging campaign. That's that's uh, all the rage right now. From with getting some backlash from you know people, Lord knows why, but uh, a lot of praise as well. What are your views? Uh, where does where would RBC stand on doing things of that nature? Yeah, I think like the first thing is it, it has to feel like it come for you. I think authentic just use like over and over so many times. Yeah. It's like is this a space where you can truly have a, a commentary? Yeah. Um, and going back to measurement, that's where the pretesting becomes so important. Like the the um, the Nike example is just such a such a great one. I think. Um, don't kid yourself that they didn't scenario plan every sales um, or market implication to that decision. And don't kid yourself that they didn't um, track PR sentiment pre, during, prior. Don't kid yourself yeah. that they didn't do a million different focus groups and online measurement on that. So they saw, they knew best case scenario, worst case scenario, and where it netted out in the middle. And the irony of that, it, I actually know this case study quite well, uh, but yeah, the irony of that, I think, was in 48 hours, I think they had about three-plus billion-dollar drop in market cap. That's right, and everybody right. was lining up saying, ah, see? And yeah, lighting the shoes on fire and losing yeah. their minds, and I think within two and weeks, the they were up terms. over six billion, which is the highest point that it's ever been. So, crazy? Um, I think, what, do you, what do you think, like, it's is it just the... The negatives will rush, but the the supporters will lay low a little bit and take time to show their support. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think it's all the measurement. You know, a lot of people came in the press and said, like, you know, um, old white Republicans don't buy their shoes, yeah. which is maybe people trying yeah. to be provocative. Yeah, but they knew they knew, as I said, like that's why stuff like HSBC makes it's like you know your target. Um, you did the research. Yeah, you're hyper focused and you just do it. And the other thing too that Nike has is they have so much brand equity. Yeah. That like you actually can take hits like that, and then you're and this, like the research is shown through like Cantar Miller Brown and stuff. Your bounce back ability and resilience is so much quicker. So yeah. I think Gillette probably did a similar thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was just you know 
ever since the the, the Kylie Pepsi That's thing right. that like I think all market and that was done internally. So everyone was like, well, maybe they didn't measure it right because the agency wasn't involved. Yeah. And because you're seeing more of these risks taken and some some failures. Well, back talking about yeah risks that we would have not taken five years ago. Like you have no choice but to like roll the dice to break yeah. through. So yeah. it's um, it's scary. Yeah. Right. Because you are making moves faster and yeah. um, and riskier moves. So yeah, on that front, I just think really. You have to do the testing and be a hundred percent sure that um, that's that, that's something that's real that could come from you. And I think well, that's, that's it. Yeah. I think that's the tough part, right? Well, you, you're right. I was going to say you can be a hundred percent sure it's what you want to do, perhaps, but you're never going to be a hundred percent sure how it's going to play, right? So yeah. sometimes you have to just take a risk if you believe in it. It's calculated. Yeah, and the pre-testing does help. You can yeah. you can take storyboards and, and do sentiment yeah. analysis and just initial takes and yeah. um, you can isolate a lot of stuff. Good insight, yeah, because yeah. a lot of people don't realize what goes into the work, the preparation before you yeah. roll out something. And I'm not that. talking focus really. You can do it pretty yeah. cheaply online now too. There's a lot of great people. It sure. just allows you to get a bit of a dipstick on what's going yeah. on. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... Um, some interesting work. I, like personally, it's hard to say. Like, I can't extricate the marketer from the. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I almost don't feel like I'm a consumer because I look at it differently. I know. I know. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so those are great insights. Thank you. And um, I'd love to just ask um, on a personal level. You know, mm-hmm. people who have achieved success. Um, are there any interesting, quirky, uh, fun? Um, habits that you lean on to, to, to help you be productive because you, yeah. you're leading a big team, you've got yeah. a big role, you've got to be performing at your max. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, like, you know, as I said, I'm a big believer in like um, self self um, reflection and 360 evaluations and I've done those a ton over the years and you should almost get um, some of the team members in here that because we were entertaining. But yeah, yeah like I think um, having those insights and always being um, having an appetite to, to figure out where, where I'm trending. Yeah, I made a lot of changes around, um, you know, um, stuff around physical activity and fitness. And I have like some quantifiable commitments I make each week to doing that. Okay. And, um, even stuff around nutrition, with nutritionist to make sure that I was getting my, yeah. um, the right amounts of, of carb, protein and veggies and things like that, because it all makes a difference. And then figuring out what gets you resilience. Like we all know vacation does, but there's mm-hmm. other things um, I, you know, like traveling for business and just kind of, you know, just seeing new people and seeing yeah. new things uh, kind of half fills the tank too. It's not yeah, like it going to Turks and Caicos for a week and yeah. shutting off. But, um, yeah, I think a, a lot of those things went into it. But yeah, for me, um, I've always been an early riser and, and working with some people that uh, know me well. Um, a lot of people try and get their workouts in in the morning. I do it at yeah. night. I'm yeah. not like a 9 to 10 PM kind of guy. Cause I just, yeah. It's funny, from, I'm the same way. I'm from, not an early workout guy. Because the reason for me was uh, I just, I'm so productive in the mornings. Yes. Like, it's the only time I'm probably productive, but yeah. I get in pretty early and I, I get a ton done probably between 7 a.m. and 9. Yeah. So um, someone was like, why, why are you doing in the morning? If you're actually going to be more yeah. productive then, right? Well, so. the interesting thing is the world is served up to us in a 9 to 5 box, if mm-hmm. you think about it. But not everybody is designed to do everything in that window. So, you know, yes, there's the early part, a lot of people waking up early and doing stuff there. But where I'm going with that is there are some people who function better the latter part of that window yes. and then into the evening. Yeah. And so we owe it to ourselves to just figure out, not fight that and just just schedule our days and our lives to be to do the most important things when you're, you're most productive. That's it. Yeah. And I think the last thing is just, I think it's just, we're surrounding yourself with, with, with people who, um, 
are just uber talented and are honest and um, building a relationship with them where they can call you out on stuff and yeah. um, you know whether that's in your personal life or professional life that's um, so important if you're not willing to listen but if you do have your ear to, ground, ear to the ground and getting those inputs it's just so so imperative so yeah. if you do kind of get off kilter someone's there to knock you back the other direction well right? so. you gave some great advice through this on uh, for, for younger people looking to break in um, mm -hmm. anything you want to kind of wrap with on that front yeah, I mean, like sponsorship gave me my that was that was the um, that was my jump off, right? That was my yeah. launching pad. I mean, my my role is a lot more broad now, but um, that's why I, I try and stay as involved in the industry as I can. But um, the people I've met, um, the type of personalities, the competitive nature of it. If you think about some of those foundational elements, in addition to the creative side of things, that, that's some stuff that um, is huge to my success today. And um, yeah, I think some of the strongest relationships professionally I have are from people I met through this side of the industry, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for, as I said, for young people, I think it's um, it's um, not being afraid to reach out, as you said, uh, being respectful of, of people's time and um, always be really pointed with what your goal is. Yeah, like, I, I love nothing that. more when young people come and be like, oh, I, you know, I'm 100% a sports marketer or, yeah. you know what, I love brand governance. I'm like, yes, beautiful. thank I you. I can work with more. that. <laughs> I tell them all the time, be super specific about your goals because vague, it makes me then not, I'm not sure what to do with you. Exactly. Yeah. And it kind of makes you feel adapt, right? Which yeah. is the point of the whole venture exactly. session. So exactly. yeah, I think, um, uh, all those things are, are just amazing. As I said, like I, I, uh, I'm so grateful for like all the people I've met, and um, um, yeah. And if you would have told me, you know, when I was at um, MLSC, you know, and, and pulled in that meeting with with Hop at Coke, that I, yeah. I'd meet someone like me, that would have been the, the best day of my life when I was 23, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it's you know once you once you get to the point where you can give back i think you just got to yeah. be generous on that front and make sure that you're given the time and give back to, to the industry and the people and so on so yeah, yeah. awesome thanks for doing this yeah this was fun yeah yeah appreciate it <laughs>